You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. If I haven't met you, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at NTC. Good morning. <laughs> All right. Last week, uh, Greg started a new theme uh, for us, um, diving into maturing, maturing in our faith, maturing as Christians. We're going to be talking for a number of weeks about about that, how we want to go deeper this year. And, you know, he talked about we're going to have a number of projects that are ongoing, the, the pledge cards that are at the seat in front of you. We're encouraging people to, to pray how they might contribute to our vision fund uh, to finish off the projects that we have here at the building and also for our church plant in Casa. Do we have those pictures, Riley? I don't even want to ask. Do we have one of those? Maybe? No? So There we go. So this is the space. Uh, Greg and Josh are down in Cali, Colombia right now. I think their service starts at 10 a.m. So this is a cafeteria. We might have heard us say that before on a Baptist seminary in Cali. Um, and this is just uh, the space going in. Want to go to the next picture? There's Peter, our pastor, Peter Vardenar, setting up. Next picture. We recognize those guys, Greg and Josh. And then the next one is just the seats that are going to be welcoming people to come this morning at 10 a.m. So um, Greg and Josh are down there. We're so excited to be helping out Peter and Gloria and their launch team as they uh, officially launch their grand opening this morning of Encasa, an NTC family church. And so we get to celebrate that we helped make this happen. You guys helped make this happen. Being, being a part of this church, helping contribute in all the ways that we do, all the finances that we give, all, all the things that we do to, to help each other also helps uh, start a church this morning in Cali, Columbia. That's exciting. Somebody get excited. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, so if you want to co help contribute, as Greg said last week, uh, we're raising money both to do, both to uh, finish off the projects um, that we started here, as well as get Encasa going um, for the next several years. Um, and so be mindful of that. Those cards are in the seat in front of you. Um, Greg ended last week with a passage from the book of Hebrews that I wanted to start with this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, for by that one offering, he, speaking of Jesus, forever made perfect those who were being made holy. Let me read that again. For by that one offering, cross, it's not lit this morning, but there's a cross over there. By that one offering that Jesus made, he made perfect those, us, you, Christ followers, anybody who, who, who follows Jesus, who acknowledges Jesus, who, who, who wants to partake, he made perfect those who are being made holy. Do you hear the dichotomy in that? He both made you perfect and you are being made holy. You are in process. Anybody want to agree with that? <laughs> you are, are in process, but you're also, the scriptures say you are also, from the perspective of Jesus, from the perspective of the creator of the universe, you are perfect. You are perfect, but you're being made holy. Uh, when, when Bruce, Bruce Spexted came up and shared, shared a, a word during worship, and while, when he started to unpack what he was saying, the first thought I had was, this completely contradicts everything I'm going to preach about in a few minutes. 
So I had to sit down for a second and say, God, what are you saying? <laughs> what he said is that we have that 100-piece puzzle, and we have those two pieces in our hand that we're, we're working on, and, and God was speaking through Bruce to us today to say, maybe we need to just set those down and just let God do what God's going to do. Do you remember that? I think there, there's, there's, there's a duality, there's a two-part to this that is true that we need to let God do what only God can do because there's so much that I can't do. There's so many things that I need help with that I need God to intervene. But there's also a part that I can play. And I want to talk about that part this morning. Hebrews 10.14, which I just read from the message, uh, from the message, which is Eugene Peterson's, um, Eugene Peterson wrote it. He said, by that single offering, he, speaking of Jesus again, did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. So God made you perfect, but you have work to do. You're being made holy. It's like God is saying, I love you just the way you are, but we have some changes we got to make. <laughs> you ever heard that from somebody? I love you just the way you are, but... Can we talk about this and this and this? John Stott, uh, theologian, author, wrote, In spite of our newness in Christ, holiness is neither automatic nor inevitable. Look at your neighbor up and down and say, that's right. <laughs> holiness is neither, not, neither automatic nor inevitable. Are we right? Are we looking at each other and we can acknowledge that in each other? And then look back at ourselves and acknowledge that holiness is neither automatic nor inevitable. Holiness doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen by accident. You, don't, you aren't being made holy by accident. In Jesus' eyes, before, before the throne of God, you are perfect and able to approach God. And he sees you through what Christ did. And he gives you his righteousness. He transfers righteousness to us. But he doesn't, thank God, he doesn't leave, let us stay there. All right? He wants, he wants more for us. I got on a, on a kick last year. I read a, a number of books, and looking back, I realized they're very, very similar. I wrote a book uh, by Jim Quick called Limitless, Upgrading Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, Unlock Your Exceptional Life. Uh, not, a, not a Christian book per se, but just a, a book about just practices of how you eat, how you take care of yourself, how you sleep, how you, how you memorize things faster. It was really helpful, um, really, really helpful book. I read another book by Ed Milet called The Power of One More. He took this uh, principle that he learned from his father. His father had been an alcoholic, and he had gone through AA, and he was, had been sober. And he would ask his dad, you know, how long are you going to stay sober? What's, what's today look like? And he would say, for one more day, I'm not going to take a drink. And the next day, for one more day, I'm not going to take a drink. For, next, for one more day. And the power of one more, and he applied this to so many areas of our life, how just one more I love you, one more hug, one more phone call, one more text message, one more hour, one more rep, one, one more lap around the pool, whatever, whatever it is, can I just do one more? And the power of those one mores adding up together was really good. I also read a book that we're using with Momentum right now called Atomic Habits by James Clear, how tiny changes produce remarkable results and how if we make, so, make significant little changes in our life, how the power of that when we add them all together can make a huge impact. What I realized, I was thinking about this this week, is there's a lot of solid practices and ideas in those books. But if those books just remain on my bookshelf and I don't apply it, they're just books. 
with great ideas. I can, I can read about how I can unlock my potential and, and learn people's names better and all those things, but if I don't actually practice it, it wasn't a simple, just read this book and now you're gonna remember everybody's names. You actually had to like do work to, to, make, to be better. And I, and I was wondering this week, do we approach the Bible in the same way, that we realize that the Bible can revolutionize and change our life, but is it just another book on our shelf that we read it and we think that's great and we set it down and we go about our lives, or are we actually working it? Are we actually trying? Are we actually applying what's there? I wanna spend the next half hour or so or however long we're gonna, we're gonna be here in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your scriptures, if you have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back, the New Living Translation is on the shelves, um, and we're gonna go through Romans chapter 12. Uh, verse one, it says, and so, Dear brothers and sisters, and so he's continuing what he's been saying for the previous 11 chapters. And he's talking about because of what God has done, because of what Christ has done for humanity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what you should do now. Because of God's grace, because of Christ's sacrifice, because of everything that he's done, because of the mercy that he's shown you, because of all that he's done for you. And so, because the scriptures, far from encouraging or condoning sin, it's meant to be a spring and a foundation for our faith. If you remember, you go back to Romans chapter 6, it says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. And so God's grace isn't meant to condone or just let us be. He doesn't call you perfect so that you can just say, great, I'm perfect. He calls you perfect so that you can be inspired to change, inspired to put it into action, inspired to put it into work. So he continues, I plead with you, Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We often talk about giving our hearts to God, but Paul here says, give your bodies to God. I find this interesting. He's writing to the Romans. This is a letter to, to the people in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. He's writing a letter to the people in Rome, and they're very familiar with Plato. Did you, did you learn about Plato in school or Aristotle? And Plato is, is well known for dividing the material and the immaterial. And Plato describes how our body is just a tomb for our spirit, and how what's really important is the spirit. And Paul writes them, and he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. That is truly the way to worship him. He wants... Paul is encouraging us to give our whole selves to God, to our creator, to let every aspect of ourselves be made up, offered in worship to our God. What does that look like? I mean, there, there's so many ways. Our, think about our feet. The, the Proverbs talk about how our feet follow in the righteous paths of God, but our walk in the paths of the righteous. Our lips are meant to speak truth and love to each other. Our tongues should build up. How many times do our tongues not build up? Our tongues should build up. Our hands lift up those who have fallen as we, as we carry each other, as we, as we cook for one another, as, as we clean, as we mend, as we fix, our, using our hands, our arms embracing those who are lonely, our ears listening to the cries of the distress, our eyes looking humbly and patiently toward God and seeing what he sees. Our whole bodies. God is interested in our whole bodies, not just this ethereal, spiritual side, though that's so important, but God in the scriptures affirms our wholeness. We are whole people. 
And God wants to do his way with, with every part of us. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I love that. God wants to change the way you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This, this call to nonconformity is not a new thought in the scriptures. You go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 18, and Leviticus, God, God is speaking to the Israelites. He's saying, so do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I'm taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, God is calling his people to be different. And when you, if you follow through the, the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, they end up being judged because they were just like everybody else and, and, and their, in their folly and, and in their sin and the things that they did and just the horrible atrocities that happened um, amongst them. They were judged because they didn't follow the decrees of God and they, they conformed to, to everybody around them. So God wants us to be different. God wants us to look different. Let's, let's, let's keep looking at what that might mean. So let God transform you in verse 2. Let God transform you. You've probably heard this before, but transform, it's a Greek word, metamorpho. Anybody have any idea what that means? Metamorpho? I hear it. Metamorphosis. Anybody remember biology class, what metamorphosis means? Look at the caterpillar. It, it transforms, which to me, that's just, that's one of those things in nature that you look at and it just blows my brain. How an ugly caterpillar, I'm sorry, can go into an ugly cocoon and come out as a beautiful butterfly, if you remember Bug's Life. That metamorphosis, that change, that's what God is looking, that's what Paul is talking about here. Read uh, verse 2 again. Or is it, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you, metamorphosis you, turn into a butterfly you, into a new person by changing, how are we going to do it? By changing the way that we think. How many of us need to change the way we think sometimes? I know I do. I know I, probably about a month ago I spoke and shared how when I wake up from a nap, I'm not a nice person. I had so many people message me and say, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> When I wake up from a nap, I need a reminder that says I need to change the way that I think because <laughs> I'm not thinking straight. <laughs> I oftentimes need to change the way that I think. This morning when I came in and the video was not working, I saw red. <laughs> and we were trying to figure it out, and I had worked all week and try, trying to get it, and my, my brain is just not. And I had to calm down, and Angie, where is Angie? Thank God for Angie. <laughs> Angie came over, she says, breathe. What do you need? <laughs> I needed to change the way that I was thinking in the moment because to get up here and talk after seeing red and thinking about machines and just wanting to throw that Mac out the window, wouldn't it be helpful, right? <laughs> that wouldn't be helpful. We need to change the way that we think. How many of you would like to be different? I like uh, Josh always tells us, be better. Just be better. <laughs> Verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul is writing, I give each of you this warning. You listening? Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, there's some really good stuff coming up in this chapter. <laughs> you know, we, we talked about, you know, we receive God's righteousness, we are declared perfect, but we have to be made holy, and then God gets practical. You know, that we're not just talking about singing kumbaya and holding hands and let's just let God do his work. It's, it's getting extremely practical. Don't think you are better than you really are. I should let somebody else comment on that regarding me. Uh, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't measure yourself according to your neighbor. Measure yourself according to the scriptures. Measure yourself according to God. Measure yourself according to what God has created you to be because we need each other for who we are. You only need one me. Amen. <laughs> we only need one Greg. We only need one Gabe. We only need one Mike. We only need one Stan. But we need Stan, and we need Greg, and we need Mike. Right, Stan, we need you. We need each other. Together, we make one incredible body. But we need each other for who each other is, not trying to be somebody else. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. I'm not reading well. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Yours, listen to me. Don't just pretend to love others. <laughs> really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love is not meant to be a theater. The church should not turn itself into a stage, meaning that we love with a hook. We aren't called to love Messina with a hook to get something. We're called to love Messina because we're supposed to really love Messina <laughs> and the North Country, not just Messina, Norwood's included, Louisville, Chase Mills, all of us. God calls us to love people, and then he clarifies, really love them. Where is that? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. We don't love with an agenda. That's, I, that's what I think God is saying here. We just love. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I like that phrase. Take delight in honoring each other. I heard somebody say once, I want to be the end of everything negative said about you and the beginning of the positive. I think Greg's going to talk about that in the coming weeks. He mentioned a couple things that he's going to cover, gossip and, and all those things, but this idea, I want to be the end of everything negative said about you, meaning when somebody comes and they say, hey, did you hear? Or we really need to pray for this, you know? Or, man, can you imagine that the 
Can you believe this person? Be the end of that conversation. Now, we need to appropriately respond. We need to be smart, and we need to deal, deal with things. But we want to speak life and love and hope and peace. I'm, I'm talking to myself here just as much as I'm talking to you. I want to be the end of negativity. And I want to be the start of positivity. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Verse 11, never be lazy, <laughs> but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. I found a quote from, from Origen. Origen is an early Christian born about 186 BC, so 1800 years ago, Origen wrote, we are not just to receive the stranger when he comes to us, but actually inquire after, look carefully for strangers to pursue them and search them out everywhere. Talking about hospitality. So the person amongst you that's a stranger to you, we're not supposed to, what does it say? Uh, not just to receive the stranger when he comes to us, but actually inquire after, look carefully for strangers, pursue them and search them out everywhere. I, I read that this week, and I was reminded of how I stuck my foot in my mouth last week. <laughs> last week, I was in the lobby as the service was getting started, and, and a couple came through that's been here before, and I walked up, and I said, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, how's, how's your break going? And they said, I, no, we, we're, we're not in school. Uh, we've been, I've been graduated for many years. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm confusing with somebody else. I said, how was your trip? We didn't go on, 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 a, on a trip. I was like, okay, confusing about somebody else. And I just, I, I had that moment where I'm like, I'm sorry. And they were very nice, and I actually texted him later this week and told him I was going to say this. And he said, you're fine, it, it's good. But I, it really, it appropriately convicted me. Because I saw them, but did I really see them? Did I really pay attention to who they were? How many times? I, I stick my foot in my mouth a lot, by, by the way. Sometimes I do it on purpose for effect. That was not one of, the, one of those times. And, I, and I, I wondered, and I know they said it was okay, but man, how, did, how does it feel to come into a space, be here for a, a couple of months, and then somebody totally confuse you with somebody else, not once, but twice, <laughs> in, in a matter of seconds? I want to be better in that. <laughs> We want to really see each other and go after each other and love each other, really love them. Are we mindful of those around us or are we a little clicky? <laughs> it's, it's so easy to fall into the people that we know and I love, obviously we love our groups, we love we love the people that we have in our lives, and it's appropriate to have that. But are we aware of those who are around us? Are we, are we welcoming? Are we, are we making room for, for the other? There's so much in the scriptures about that. Verse 14. <laughs> Remember, I was in court on Friday for the lawsuit. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. It's like he keeps upping the ante. Don't just, don't just bless them. 
don't curse them. Pray for them. <laughs> Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. <laughs> don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I think this is written to me. Uh, don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. What a picture of love, Romans chapter 12. John Stott wrote, Love is sincere, discerning, affectionate, and respectful. It is both enthusiastic and patient, both generous and hospitable, both benevolent and sympathetic. It is marked by both harmony and humility. He, he wrote that commenting on, on this chapter, on Romans chapter 12. This, and this chapter is challenging, should be. <laughs> Hopefully it's not just challenging to me. Is, is challenging to us. And this is what, this, this description, love is sincere, discerning, affectionate, and respectful, both enthusiastic and patient, both generous and hospitable, both benevolent and sympathetic, marked by harmony and humility. This is what we want for each other and the other to feel when they come into this space. This is what we want for each other to feel when they come into your space, that they actually feel loved. They actually feel God's love, that they feel that we've been somehow transformed by the way that we think, that we've somehow been transformed so that we can better reflect God's love. That's, that's the challenge in these verses, is that people experience this when they're with you. That people experience this when they, when they come through those doors. I, I heard it again this week. I was talking to uh, somebody on my Meals on Wheels route, and he, he was saying, oh, I need to go visit your church sometime, and I'll be worried about the ceiling when I walk in. We, we've heard things like that so many times, but we need to change the narrative. <laughs> that we are people who really love people. Not just show people how we love people by you know, holding up the things that we do. That we actually love them, as, as Paul writes here. But as, as I have on the top of your notes, this won't happen by accident. <laughs> this doesn't just happen. God does an amazing work in you, but as it says, you are being made holy. You are perfect, but you are being made holy. So let's go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then he lists all the ways in which we can adjust. You know, Jesus, and I, I think Greg's going to talk about this in the coming weeks, Jesus expects fruit. We don't like to talk about that a lot, but he expects fruit. There's that strange story where he curses the fig tree because it hasn't produced fruit, and the fig tree withers and dies, and there's all kinds of intricacies of that story, but the fig tree wasn't doing what fig trees should do, and it made Jesus angry. That makes me wonder. Jesus expects results. 
And in Matthew chapter 25, I, I, I don't want us to, to go through it line by line, but in Matthew 25 is a familiar parable to many of us. It's the parable of the talents where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who gives a number of, of, of talents, give, gives uh, uh, some gives bags of gold, or, or however how you translate, gives finances to three of his servants and goes away for a long time. And he gives them a different number each, and, and the one with, I'm just going to make it up, the one with ten doubles it. The number with five, if, if I'm off a little bit, I'm sorry. The number with five doubles it. And the number with one buries it in the ground so that he can go get it when the master comes back. Sound familiar? So the master comes back and he says, okay, my servants, those who work for me, the, those who I've entrusted these riches to, what, what, what have you done with it? And the guy with the 10 comes, he says, I, I, I did whatever I did with it and here's more. The next guy comes, I did whatever I did with it and here's more. The next guy comes with his one and says, I, I knew that you were a hard man and I knew that you, that you expected and so I, I buried it in the ground so they'll be here when you came back. And the... The, the landowner has some horrible things to say about the one who just buried the talents. And I, I've, I've shared this before, how when my wife and I, a number of years ago, we were evaluating our lives, and we were living in Portland at the time, and she was looking at this passage and wondering, you know, how, how do we apply this to ourselves, and, and how for me, especially at that time, if I, if I thought about what this story means, I felt the pressure to produce which is, a, is not a pressure that's very comfortable. Like, am I producing? What do I have to show for it? Where is the fruit in my life? But my wife asked the, this question, and it's a question that's been driving us for the last about 10 years or so, is maybe what Jesus is trying to say here, or one of the things at least that Jesus is trying to say here, is being smart about how we invest, what we do with what we have. And so the question for, for, for us, and the question that I pose to myself is, is, am I investing wisely? Because this, this, this thought in this story is not a new thought. It's not a strange thought. We know that if you want to get better at something, if you want to improve in an area, you can't just sit down and expect it to happen. <laughs> that you have to actually work it. And if you work it, you will get results. I think of it like my son learning to play the bass. He's got a, my 11-year-old son has a bass. It's twice the size of him. He's not just going to learn it by it sitting in our living room. He has to actually move the bow back and forth and practice, right? And if he practices, he will get better. Now, is he going to be a concert violin, uh, bass player? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not with my genes. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but if he, if he practices, will he get better? Yes. Will he be the best in the world? That remains to be seen. But if he practices, he will get better, right? I was thinking about, uh, we have a small garden, a uh, couple garden boxes in, in our backyard. My wife does most of the work, but I'll take the credit for it here. If you put a seed in the ground, something happens, <laughs> You put a seed, you water it. You don't have to work really hard for something to happen. It's not very often that you plant seeds and nothing happens. Because when you plant, my wife's shaking her head. I should have checked with her. Does, some, does it sometimes something never happens? Oh, bad analogy. <laughs> but for the most part, when we, when, we, when we sow seed, 
seed does what seed does, right? And so if we apply this to the idea of God giving us resources, God giving us talents and coming back and wanting to see the fruit, wanting to see the production, if we do something, we will get results. Will I double it? I don't know. But what I shouldn't do is nothing, which is what the one servant does. He does nothing. He buries it. He has it when, the serv- when, his, when his master comes back, but he's done nothing with it. God doesn't want us to do nothing. <laughs> he wants us to do something. How's that for a line to quote? <laughs> God doesn't want us to do nothing. He wants us to do something. And what I want to challenge us in this morning is that maturity doesn't just happen. You have to try. <laughs> we don't love people more by reading Romans chapter 12. We love people more by doing something. <laughs> by trying, by walking across the room and saying, hi, my name is, by walking up to somebody in, 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 the, in the grocery store that you've seen before and not just, oh, i do not sure who that person is, I'm just going to keep going. How many of us have done that in Walmart? You're not going to get better by doing nothing. It doesn't just happen by accident. Transformation and fruit require it, uh, intention and action. I'm going to have Sarah come back or whoever is playing. She's there. Go for it, Sarah. Awkward transition. <laughs> um, does this make sense? I, I love how practical God is. <laughs> how practical. Sometimes you read and it, and it doesn't, it, it, it's hard to understand what's happening and that's okay we dive in and we try to figure it out but then other times we read through a chapter like Romans chapter 12 and we're like oh that's a little close to home maturity growth doesn't just happen Messina knowing the love of God I would hesitate to say it doesn't just happen but I really believe that theologically what the scripture says is that God puts the future in our hands. God is doing his part. He's drawing all men to himself. He has done the work for every human being on the planet. He loves everybody perfectly, unconditionally, and is constantly inviting every person on the planet to him. But the scriptures also tell us that he wants us to be a part of that process. And that doesn't just happen. We actually have to do something about it. I invite you to to stand with me. My thought for you for this week, my my request for you for this week is to pick up your Bible and read Romans chapter 12 and just reflect on it. Read through the verses that, that we read through this morning and just let it speak to you. We, we say it all the time. Every time you pick up your Bible, my first recommendation is say a little prayer. Say, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you can say whatever you want, but but specifically, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to remind you and to lead you and guide you, and he's the one who will remind you and, and teach you. And so when we pick up the scriptures, I think it's a good idea to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? Highlight what you want to highlight. Help me understand this. Don't just try to read the Bible on your own. Ask for help. You got the Holy Spirit. And so ask the Holy Spirit this week, help me understand what I'm reading, and then read through this chapter, Romans chapter 12, 
and let it let it speak to you. Say, what, what do I need to work on this week? What do I need to do to show God's love a little more? Where do I need to speak life, speak encouragement? Where do I need to be the end of negativity? Where do I need to speak positivity? I'm going to pray and, and Dory's going to come up. God, we thank you that we can gather together in this space. We thank you that we can read the scriptures, read what Paul wrote here, and let it transform us. Let it change the way that we think. Let it work in us and through us. Help us each to, to not be condemned in this moment, but to, to hear what you are saying to us so that we can be transformed and love a little bit better this week. What a great message of living with purpose and living with intention that we got to hear today. Thank you so much, Justin, for that. So go forth from today uh, and live with intention, but it's going to take effort, lots of effort on our part, right, to live the way Jesus would want us to live or live with that um, person in our mind or with that situation in our mind to see Jesus come through in those situations. So be blessed. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.